Hello, everybody, and welcome to Sonic Talk, episode 526, recorded today live Wednesday, the 7th of March. That's not the Ides. The Ides are the other end of March, aren't they? I think, 15th. anyway. 15th. Okay, that's the other, it's the middle of March. All right, thank you very much, Rich, for that classical bit of uh, ingested uh, information there. Uh, this is it's not about classical history, this um, podcast. It's actually about music technology, <laughs> and it's to do with uh, controllers, synthesizers, drum machines, software, all that kind of stuff, all the kind of technology and the social aspects, and the business aspects, whatever you want to do, or whatever we feel that is the topic to talk about on the week. want to say hello to everybody uh, in the YouTube chat room. Thank you very much for joining us also our IRC uh, people you can get to that via sonicstate.com forward slash live and uh, that will give you all the information you need to know also want to say thank you very much to Isotope who are sponsoring the show by providing a prize of Ozone 8 a little bit later on that will be about halfway through show runs to about an hour hour and ten so uh, stay tuned grab a cup of tea and enjoy your time with us I hope uh, right uh, so let's start off with uh Let's say hello to Mr. Rich Hilton, who's there in Connecticut. We haven't seen him for a while. Rich has been around the world touring, but also uh, working in the studio on a project. I've seen you've been posting pictures of various uh, working with Tony Levin, right? Awesome. Yes, we had Tony Levin in. And wow. it's uh, what a great honor to have Tony and David Torn and Richie Stanijev. And we're having, we're having a blast. And I'm getting to work with people I've known my whole life who I couldn't wait to do stuff with. And... It's really going very, very well. I'm very excited about it. Excellent. So is this a sort of uh, mid-project uh, break, or is it a kind of, uh, have you done your No, I'll, as soon as we're done, I'm getting right back in. Right, cool. So uh, can you tell yeah. us what it is, or is it still a, is it a secret under wraps type of thing? It's, um, it's something I'm producing. It's pretty obvious if you look at my Facebook page what it is. Um, it's a project with an artist whose uh, first English song I mixed a couple of years ago. He's a very well-respected uh, artist in Pakistan. Wow, okay. And um, we're, we're making not a world music album together um, and having a great time doing it. That sounds really and good fun. It is. It's pretty exciting stuff. And uh, I'm really feeling good about that, it right now that's and awesome i, I didn't, I didn't I sort of had a lot of my own stuff to do now so i'm excellent kind of enjoying that i didn't realize it was uh, that you were producing that's that's brilliant because i guess that that yep. sort of work doesn't come along all that often so good on you that's right that's right and i'm very thankful for it excellent oh well pleased to hear that rich that's lovely to have you aboard Thank anyway you. um well, i will also join mr uh Ty Unwin. Now, Mr. Ty Unwin, we haven't had him on for ages. Ty, of course, media composer, ludicrously busy media. In fact, I think your last words were to me, it's going to be three months before I even get a night off. So I guess we must be getting towards the end of that. Is that what's, ha is that now, what's happening? Uh, not Well, not quite the end of, but yeah, I mean, just enough to get a break. So yeah, but previous afternoons have just been impossible. So um yeah, but so Wednesday evenings, Thursday mornings, Thursday afternoons. <laughs> but no, it's fine. It's it's fine. It's it's okay. Battling along. Excellent. And of course, uh, before our last, the last thing that we were we were going to do around about Christmas was talk to you about the Major album, which came out uh, just before Christmas, I believe. Is that right? Yeah. So uh, we'll still hopefully uh, get a chance to do that. But that yeah, that's done well. That's gone really well, and we just. We've done some live bits and bobs. We were on Chris Evans on Radio 2 on Friday, and um, we've done a couple of Radio 2 things, and the single was in the playlist for a month. And yeah, so it's, it's doing well. Yeah, it's All doing of well. those things. How was the live thing? That, that is a massive audience. Did you? I, I saw you posted on Facebook saying, what happens when, you, when it's one, two, three, four, and you, your mind goes blank? Did you have one of those moments? I had absolutely one of those moments. One of the, one of the songs, it comes to a big, big climactic moment, and... Uh, and I have to sit there and lead it all into one huge E minor chord, except just as I was about to put my fingers down, I just had complete brain freeze. <laughs> couldn't remember what, a G, what an E minor was. I couldn't remember what chord it was. I could, all I know is I had to play a chord very loudly, and my head was just swearing constantly in my head. <laughs> so I played a chord, which wasn't necessarily completely the correct chord, uh, and then corrected it within within a crotchet. But the reality is there was one crotchet of complete crap. 
But there we go. We've, we've all been there, and we'll all be there again. But at least it was it was only nine and a half million listeners. So uh, <laughs> it was genuinely, and uh, I mean, people were very comfortable. But no one, uh, most people didn't notice it. But you know what it's like when you know you know you didn't have a good day at the office. It was one of those. Fine. It was fine. But uh, as Nick begs, uh, I think we all we know Nick from uh, Bass Player Supreme. He basically said to me, "Yeah, you won't make that mistake again." And I went, <laughs> as I said, I'm going to have E minor tattooed on the back of my hand because. Uh, <laughs> but there we go. These things happen. Excellent. Well, I'm glad to hear it went all right. And that sounds like fun. I mean, it's very different to what you're normally doing. So, I mean, it must be quite nice to mix it up a bit and get out into the world and do that kind of live stuff. So. What daylight? I mean, yeah, I struggle with daylight, obviously, but it's you know it's fine. I can I can I can get by. No, it's fun, and the people and Midge Midge is great to work with, and he's great fun, and also the musician, the you know uh, couple of musicians that we we've got together to do these little acoustic things with. They they're fantastic, so they're really good fun to be with. So it's great. It's really good. That's uh, the chat room are telling me that uh, a crotchet of complete crap is a potential candidate for the uh, for the show title there. <laughs> I wonder. I wonder how you how that would go. I'm I'm worried about our PG uh, PG thirteen rating on, but we'll see how it goes. And uh, I said I censored it. Mine was a censored version in the first place. <laughs> okay. Well, maybe maybe we'll be all right then. Um, and also we have uh, Mr. Steve Hillier, uh, educator, producer, uh, so, so, uh, mix engineer in waiting. Is that right? I was just going to say, you were saying before yeah. the show that you're waiting for a vocal to come in so you can complete an arrangement. Yeah. <laughs> I think compared to the other two guys, I've had a much more relaxed day today. In fact, actually, I can tell you, I spent most of this morning when I knew that the vocal that I have to mix um, wasn't going to show up down at the Buddhist Centre in Brighton. So I'm kind of zen at the moment, although I am, I'm convinced that my first tattoo is going to say, crotchet of crap. That's definitely for me. <laughs> Excellent. CCC. And there goes the PG. Yeah, ah, that, that's all right. I think we can say that word. I just don't know about actually the title of it. <clears throat> anyway, let's get on to uh, matters uh, that are more of the news thing. Um, so here, what about this, eh? This is Roland dropping their new TR8S, which Hi, basically takes the TR8. I'm super excited to talk about the TR8S Rhythm Performer, our latest flagship drum machine. It has a lot of the DNA of our TR8 drum machine, which we came out with a few years ago, but there's been a number of enhancements made to it that we've gotten from customers and artists and people that uh, have used the TR8 and have loved it, but had some great ideas for what could be done to the next model. That includes sampling. Let's take a look nope. at the design of the TR8S. It's been refined, it looks really modern and timeless. It looks great in the studio or on stage. Uh, it has a flatter profile so that it's great for playing live. It has multicolored faders that you can customize. The IO section has been expanded so that you have eight analog outputs, SD card for sample import and backup file storage. There's the USB, standard MIDI IO, and a trigger output so you control analog gear. And there's also a stereo external input for external signals. It has all of our circuit model drum machines built into it, such as the 808, 909, 707, 727, 606, and some custom-made uh, circuit-modeled sounds that you can only get on the TR-8S. It also comes with a bunch of pre-made samples, and then it also has a sample import, so you can import your own sounds onto the unit itself. Which right. I mean, there are, this is actually quite a long video, so I won't play it all, which is what I usually say. But this is actually quite big news. This, this, this does... This does two things for me. I mean, first of all, it kind of it, it signifies that uh, Roland are, are going. They're kind of going after the the, the electron market because there's a lot of motion control on here, and this the idea of it being much more performance based uh, with the sample playback. I think there's up to 600 seconds of sample memory in it, uh, with 180 seconds maximum per phrase i don't know about the loading and saving obviously you can't sample directly into it but these are all things that are starting to make it in fact they did a whole series of videos uh with uh uh, uh oh that's not working oh they did a whole series of videos with um uh female artists in berlin where there's sort of quite hardcore techno stuff uh and and uh club-based stuff but i don't know what does anybody think about this i mean it feels like it's quite uh it's quite a big deal uh let's start with you ty I'm kind of, I'm slight, slightly mixed feelings. I mean, it doesn't, I've got a TR8, and TR8's great for what it does. 
but I've got reams of drum machines and lots of them to do sampling. So personally, it's not any interest to me personally. But I think as long as uh, it's done in a a clever way and it doesn't feel like the sampling is bolted to a TR8, then I think it's you know kind of it's, I think it's a winner. I think the only slight issue I have have is that. For me, I've kind of all of my gear sends, tends to be centered around the fact that it does one or two things really well. Do you know what I mean? It's, I don't really see my when I choose gear, I don't choose jack of all trades. I tend to choose stuff that's good at one thing really well, and that's why the TR8 worked for me because it just did the TR stuff and uh, things like the MPX, is, uh, the, the MPCX is great because it just kind of does sampling well. Do you know what I mean? And so. Yeah. I think it's how the whole TR stroke sampling bit integrates. And if it integrates well, then, you know, it's, it's a simple interface, let's be honest. And I think whatever you want to say about the Electron stuff, and I've got, you know, I've got Electron stuff, I've got Machine Drum and a, a Rhythm and all those kind of things. They're great, but the interface um, is is very, we, we keep saying this, it's very individual, it's very peculiar, it's very it's very them. And if you don't get your head into that, it can be quite difficult to, to, to work with. Whereas the TR interface is really easy, really easy to, really easy interface. And if they can do that side with the sampling as well, I think it's on to a winner. And all this, all this rubbish that goes on about it not sounding like real analog, and I'm not going to get into that again, but it's all just Cobb's wallet. I mean, you know, kind of in, in, in the terms of the mix, it sounds just like a TR-808 or a 909 or whatever, because we all know, the people that know, know that every TR-808 and every TR-999 sounded completely different anyway. They all did. I've never seen two 909s or 808s or 606 that sound exactly the same. So whichever one you know they happen to model it on it sounds it sounds like that and um that combined with sampling great not for me at the moment but but i think it'll be a success yeah it's interesting yeah, it's that, interesting uh, that uh, oh oh, oh. <coughs> something's coming back at me I think that's you, Ty. Hold on, I'll just hold that. It's it's interesting that they've that they've gone for this, but I, I actually think that that they've from what I've seen of the videos, I was trying to play that, but I seem to have lost my web browser page. Uh, <clears throat> that they've really kind of made the uh made the leap into this performance mode. And the, not only that, but the marketing for this, they've really dropped the cheese and they've gone for the kind of like, here's what people can do with it. I don't know what uh, what you think about that, Steve. I mean, they, it seems like quite a big sea change generally, you know, just in the way that Roland do things. I mean, A, that one thing that's really interesting they've gone for a sort of all-female cast which i think is a really mm. good good bit of a, a good bit of marketing and also just good to sort of pick up the baton from from moog as well sort of redressing i mean some people are getting a bit uppity that it's that it somehow uh doesn't need to be that but i, I think good stuff um well i mean i saw the uh, the marketing videos and i thought you know it <laughs> it felt to me like it should have felt bold to have three you know uh, female creators working with the machine but i must admit it just felt right you know what i mean it didn't feel uh, bold at all um it was certainly was eye catching as well and although the music wasn't really my kind of thing uh, i did think it showcased the uh the tras really well and it certainly got me uh, excited and uh, the reason i'm i'm excited about this is this first reason might seem a bit shallow, but I think it looks great. I think it looks <laughs> that, well. No, for, yeah, for a start. I mean, this is shallow, but I was really tempted to get a uh, a System Eight until I saw it in the flesh, and it looked like something off the Borg from Star Trek. It was just so green and black, and you know, I, I, those are sort of death colours for me, so I didn't get it in the end. But anyway, back to this machine. It re it looks really uh, exciting. It looks. Uh, sexy, and I'm thinking of it in terms of um, how it would appear on stage. And on stage, it's going to be interesting. It's going to capture the audience's uh, imagination, especially in the smaller venue. And then the next thing is that Roland seems to have been focusing here on the performance aspect of this machine, something I think that uh, Ty just touched on. Um, I'm not quite sure what that means at this stage because I, I was trying to find one of these uh, machines earlier today, but I never actually got to see one. But um, I've certainly done my time with the sound of Roland drum machines. I think we all have, quite frankly. But if there's a performance aspect to it, something kind of new, then uh, that could be 
tremendously exciting and certainly something that would interest me. The last bit, though, the thing that I, I think has sold me on this uh, machine is the use of samples and what sounds like very long samples. So it could be possible to use this like, a, like an NPC in some ways. It's not clear to me how that actually works. Um, but, you know, if it would be possible to, say, trigger uh, a sample that's 30 seconds long, so it could essentially be an entire verse. Yeah, up to 180 seconds, I think. Per, right. So if, if you could pad. trigger it, so it's, it's yeah, I'm assuming that means that the, the sample will sustain for that period. It surely must do. That now makes things very interesting for me. Um, so, yeah, so I, I'm opening my Bitcoin wallet uh, probably later this week. Ah, okay. Interesting. Um uh rich i don't know i mean i don't know whether you're a drum machine kind of guy i know you've tried out some of the electron stuff but it does seem that roland have actually you know they're actually going for you know that whole vibe and they really are sort of going we want some of that and they've made a much cooler marketing campaign for it and it's quite interesting that they've gone for that i love the look of this thing it looked like and it looked like it was fun to operate sounded great and was incredibly versatile and for the money it seems like a really really great product to me and uh it occurs to me that we're living in a time of where there's a wealth of really really great drum machines out there and they're all really strong in different ways uh i would include the electron product the uh tempest the um arturia product um they all have really, really good sounding, really, really good strengths and uh, seem like they'd be fun to operate for the most part. I know the, uh, the electron is a little different than the rest, but and they're all a little different from each other anyway. But uh, a lot of really great drum machines, and I think this is one of them. And I think it has a list price of $700 or $700. Yeah, six nine nine. I think, cheap yeah. For all the, for pretty cheap for all the stuff it does. And, well, it's uh, bang I'm on the Digitac price point. Okay, good. Well, I, I think it's it's a cool, it's a nice form factor. It looks like it's probably well built. If I know Roland, yeah, it's got pretty lights and that's cool. And they use them in creative ways and everybody's doing it. Um, so that's cool. I liked it. Yeah, we don't know what sort of manipulation there is of the samples. I think the information that I got from the Roland site, though, has been updated. Apparently, uh, like with all of the bigger IRA range, not the boutique IRAs, the bigger ones that have an internal sample rate of 96K. So I think you can bring in 96K samples so that if you're type pitching them down, then you're going to get less aliasing and that's going to make it more useful. I don't know whether it's got time stretch or any of that stuff. I would like to say, though, uh, we're hoping uh, to get David Ireland is going to be here uh, on Fridays, bringing one down and doing a sort of demo for us, and then hopefully we'll get a chance to review something in the near future. But it does look like a pretty cool thing, Rich. Yeah, it's not. If I may say, it's not much of a display, especially as compared to things like Machina and things like that. In other words, no. if you do bring samples in, there's not a heck of a lot you're going to be able to do with it on any kind of screen that I saw on that piece of hardware. That's very true. Yeah, I mean, it's got the. Let's see if we can find. I should have the. Uh, Hold on. Uh, uh, you know, short uh, of like ASCII and numerical inputs. Let me see. I, I think, think Ty I'm... is speaking, and uh, he's. Oh, married. is he? I do beg your pardon, Ty. Sorry. Will you come in? <laughs> no, sorry. I said they'll probably bring out an editor for it. I mean, that's the reality of it. I mean, they're quite yeah. good at bringing out link up to their stuff. So I, I have a feeling if they're going to do that, they will bring out some kind of import. But it seems to me you're a machina and MPC style people are giving you some visual yeah. reference on on the box itself that enables you to do some kinds of sample editing right there where you have oh i agree yeah views. i agree yeah. completely i'd rather have it yeah. i'd rather have it in the box um no. yes you've got but i mean it's an improvement over the original tr8 because it's got it does have a little two two uh two line lcd which is we didn't get i don't believe on the original tr8 uh, a couple of other things it's got it's got uh up to I think it's four stereo outs, which can be configured to be trigger outs. So you can actually use it. You could use it uh, as like a a, 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 a the, at the heart of some kind of modular thing. Where if you wanted to send trigger, you presumably you get clock divisions and and set set triggers like that way. Uh, also, it's going to be mean that you're going to be able to to bust things out in separate uh, fashion. So you know, like we know, kick snare and then the, the, the high bits, and then you've still got two pairs left, which you could be for samples. So I mean, if it, if if the if, if like you say, Steve, the ability to play back longer samples, not sure if it does stereo or not yet. 
is good and it doesn't take an awfully long time to load off the SD card because I've, I have seen that in the past where it is actually quite a long time. They, the the, the, the yeah. stuff that Roland uses quite a, a, a long load time off the SD. Then that could make it really interesting as a point. I mean, I don't know if that that's probably something that excites you from that point of view. Uh, it, yes, it, it certainly does. But you're, you're absolutely right. I've, I've had problems with uh, loading uh, samples off SD cards. It just takes forever. But then again, this was a while ago. Maybe... Um, the Roland of uh, crackless technology. I do have um, two little questions, though. It, according to the uh, tech specs that I've seen, we've got all of the TR drum machines, but no CR78, which seems like a strange omission. Um, Maybe they're saving that for an update. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Well that, well, that would be really nice. And the other, the other thing that, that I thought was interesting was that they've included the sample-based drum machines, the 707s on there, I think. But they're describing it on the spec sheet as using ACB technology. So I'd be really curious to know how that works with these samples, if you know what I mean. So we're not just getting the raw data from the original samples. Is there going to be some sort of modeling of the preamps or the op-amps? Yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't know. Things. That's a good point. I mean, as I say, it comes with yeah. 300 samples. So maybe some of those drum machines are included in those 300 samples. So, you know, the, the stuff that's sample-based maybe comes off that. I actually don't know the answer to that, but that's something that hopefully we'll get to clarify with David, who's coming down, like I say, on Friday uh, to give us a sort of uh, run through. But it feels like, I'm, I'm, I mean, not only that, but you look at the, the launch videos, the sort of Berlin videos, they've they've gone, they've they've dropped the cheese, which is actually a, quite a big, I mean, that's, that's a big change in itself, just the way they're marketing it is very different to what Roland usually do. It's sort of, it, it's a very European flavoured marketing thing. And I don't know if they're maybe driving this this time i mean i know it's a bit kind of inside business but it's an interesting shift to me and uh, hopefully that i wonder be... what i would i do wonder whether maybe this is uh, an example of roland getting their confidence back you know after so many years of of releasing uh particularly synthesizers and stuff that that's they've been to be fair not particularly great over the last few years, things have got really exciting again. I hope that maybe it's being uh, reflected in the marketing now. Roland are, you know, a force to be reckoned with, like they like they were in the eighties and early nineties. Mm, yeah, well, let's see. I mean, hopefully so. I mean, I, I I do recommend that if you go and check the uh, the Roland website, there's one, two, three, four, five, five Berlin sessions, and they're all pretty. You know, they're they're quite hardcore, and some of them, like you say, are are, are not maybe the music that I'd go for, but they're they're very Berlin, <laughs> which is, I guess, what they're supposed to be because they're the Berlin sessions. And, that you know, it's just, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to check it out anyway. So we'll see. Um, let's just have a quick um, interjection now. Let's, uh, let's just have a word from our sponsors. Why not? This is... Isotope Ozone, which is the mastering suite. Ozone 8 is the current version. Got all this uh, intelligent machine learning, which takes the kind of uh, the learning of the machine, the, the cloud or whatever, and uh, also combines it with the particular track that you're working on to give suggestions of where you might want to start in terms of your mastering session, and then kind of builds a chain that it thinks is going to get you somewhere near you uh, where you want to go. There's also uh, the tonal balance, which as you can see there, gives you the spectral representation, visual representation of what kind of energy you want in each of the bands. Very useful actually, and a kind of alternative to just using your ears, which as we know can sometimes uh, let us down, certainly mine do. Uh, we've got the ability to control uh, other instances of Neutron 2 and also Ozone 8 from within the same session. So if you fix a mix issue, you're still working in the kind of mastering environment. <clears throat> You've also got the ability to uh, Compare, compare and contrast up to 10 tracks and sections of tracks so that you can see exactly where you are in terms of maybe this, the, the thing you're trying to get near to if you've got reference tracks, very powerful stuff. And there's a whole bunch of things in here that if you're into mastering and you're looking for something that's going to be able to help you improve your mix and get it to sound the way you want it, then Ozone is definitely the way forward to go. If you want to go try it out, go to isotope.com forward slash ozone and you'll be able to get a... Uh, get hold of a demo copy which i think lasts 10 days so do try it out i've also got the spectral shaper as well which is uh, allows you to tone the spectrum 
frequencies, particular uh, mid-side option point. There's just so much to it. Anyway, I won't play any more. That's a very long video. But I want to say um, we've also got um, a competition this week. If you want to... Uh, enter and win the chance for the chance of winning a copy of ozone eight uh, it's a twitter competition what you need to do is tweet the hashtag mastering suite that's one word so mastering suite and the hashtag ozone eight to at sonic state and at isotope inc that's the hashtag mastering suite the hashtag ozone eight to at sonic state and at isotope inc and that'll get you entered in the competition and we have a winner from last week uh, last week's winner is somebody called cos k-o-z and their twitter handle is at cosmic uh, K-O-Z-M-Y-K and they tweeted the hashtags uh, which was I think Future of Mastering and Ozone 8 so if you want to get in touch Cos uh, please do and we will hook you up with your copy of Ozone 8 thank you very much to Isotope for their continued sponsorship of the show sorry Rich I don't know whether you were trying to come in there I turned you down because I heard some background noise and I, I, I'm, I'm just now I've got faders the power's gone to my head and I keep re realising that perhaps <laughs> I need to fade was there anything you wanted to add I must I should give you the opportunity just in case I no, actually no 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 uh, I had I had added my last point which was that it visually just didn't quite live up to some of the competition but in general it looked like a great product yeah well I, I think I, I think one thing I would say is uh, if we look at the actual uh, control surface of it there is quite a lot of because you each each of the channels lots of people seem to be playing on the faders because I think you've got up to 11 instruments so the I think instruments can also be configured to have mm -hmm. an external input as well so they can be processed via the effect each of the tracks has its own effect but then there's the mastering effect the master effects as well so much more DSP going on there and uh, each of the tracks has three knobs so there's more control I mean you know if you were to make a direct comparison with uh, Digitact then there's more surface to play with but yeah you're right it's not up to the machiner standard a lot of stuff to grab yeah absolutely a lot of stuff to grab and that's one thing that in the berlin videos you see that they're, they're that's what seems to be going on people have these minimal arrangements and they're whacking the faders up and it it really made and the other thing that was in it that was cool is uh, there are eight pattern variations per pattern so you can get your you know you can get a lot of stuff in in any particular pattern and then switch with it so you know as well as arranging songs you can you can change pattern. I, I don't know whether changing patterns is the way that you would do it because we have to find out about the load time and stuff like that anyway that's enough of that. How about how about this then? Did anyone see? Uh, I, I guess if you weren't in the states, you might not have seen this. But this was awesome. This is Charles Hazelwood. I'll play a little bit of it. Hopefully, it'll have some audio, or it might not. Seems to not. But there you go. But this is uh, that's probably good because then it won't get busted. Uh, this is the introduction to the uh, minimalism, tones and drones and arpeggios, the magic of minim minimalism. And Charles Hazelwood's a really interesting. Uh, composer and whatnot and uh, this is you see will gregory there adrian utley uh, involved in the band and there i think they're playing terry riley's in c in that session i mean what looks like an indoor swimming pool which is a really cool place to have a studio and uh, yes it just goes on to talk about all of the uh the influences the way that whole kind of started out and i just thought it was brilliant because i a light bulb went on for me because i was thinking oh right so you know all of that kind of repetitive pattern and the polyrhythmic stuff all seemed to emerge out of that period of the late 50s and early 60s uh, San Francisco and New York and I just thought awesome and <clears> I'm coming I'm going to come to you Ty because I know that you studied a lot of this um and I haven't and I know that you when we were talking pre-show you said it's right in my part and I know Rich did as well so Ty did you watch the watch the documentary have I watched it I've watched it I, I've lost track of how many times I've watched it yeah I mean it, to say to say I got slightly excited when i saw this was on um is putting it mildly i mean it describes my bag as as you said i mean i studied this for years basically when i was at music college and um i kind of specialized in this area started off with john cage and then went all through uh lamont young and terry riley and steve reich and philip glass and, and john adams and, and all of that and um, so this for me uh, style of music was essentially kind of what helped form my um, the sound that I write with now because up until up until this kind of until I went to to college basically minimalism didn't really mean anything to me and I was really into the late romantics like Rachmaninoff and you know kind of impressionism with Debussy and uh, so it was all very melodic and very gestural and very huge and grand and whatever and then when I went and started studying this was the first thing that I really latched onto. Realised that minimalism was essentially where I needed to go and what I wanted to get involved in. So for the last 30, 
God, yeah, God, that's depressing. 32 years I've been kind of following this kind of more minimalist kind of uh, lilt. And um, so so watching this documentary, it's for people that don't know about this side of things, it's absolutely fascinating. You come across realising that Lamont Young is bonkers, is absolutely not with us. And... Uh, <laughs> completely absolutely not on this planet and then Lam um, and then terry riley is a really lovely guy I, I i worked briefly with terry riley when i was a student and he was doing some pieces at Eversfield, and um i was something to do with the tech team there and so i kind of and he's the nicest guy and his music is just it's very it's very easy to use words like hypnotic or you know kind of beautiful and uh, it is his music is amazing um so I can't wait for the, this is only episode one. We've then got about Steve Reich and Philip Glass. Um, so I literally cannot wait. So anyone that can watch it, whether it be via YouTube or on, I think BBC still on iPlayer, you've got to watch it because although you'd think it's, there's no direct link with electronic I've music. Totally, the moment, totally <laughs> not the, moment the case. You, the moment you start hearing the processes, you suddenly realise that this, the way they started is absolutely the start of what we call kind of a, a electronic music using tape loops and sequences and phasing and drifting. And it's everything that we now do on a regular basis in the studio with sequences and um, effects. It was all started back in the uh, late 80s and early 60s. So it's fantastic programme. Yeah, really good. I know, Rich. You you also studied a lot of. Uh, I know you you studied. You we've talked about the music concrete stuff that you studied at because you studied music as well. I mean, it's really. I just thought it was fat, and I hadn't made those links, and I feel really kind of ignorant. Um, and I'm glad I watched it. I don't know if you've ever been able to because you're in the states, so you probably can't get it. But maybe you can. I did see it, but on some level, I want to say the less said about minimalism, the better. Hey. <laughs> nothing much to see here move on um no but seriously folks but um i i love some of this music uh i don't love others of this music but i love some of this music in particular steve reich's uh ensemble pieces really really capture me and it's funny because when you get to that it's not so much minimalism at all. It actually more kind of closely resembles magma to me. Christian Vander used to do these same kind of things with arrangements where the arrangements would evolve as they groove slowly with the introduction of individual themes and the sort of replacement of other individual themes. And uh, it, it had a sort of a combination of, of very organic groove and also a melodic sophistication that just took place over a slightly longer period of time than most things do but it didn't in and of itself represent itself it didn't represent to me as minimal in any way actually it's actually incredibly involved um as contrasted with some of the other Terry Riley pieces, who I also love, um, where they are, in fact, much simpler in terms of the kinds of elements that come and go and the number of them that occur at any one time. Love the stuff. Uh, very interested in it. Very interesting. I had the great privilege to work with Michael Reichman on uh, David Bowie's record in 1992, and it was a revelation to me uh, to watch him work and see what those guys actually do. He was sort of uh, Philip Glass's uh, sidekick at the time and uh, really, really fascinating to work and watch him work. Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, because that you know, one one can assume, or one might assume, that you know, minimalism equals less musical ability. But these guys were studying at the highest level and kind of came up with these concepts out of their knowledge of, of the regular the regular stuff. So it's just really interesting. And St uh, Steve Hillier, I mean, do, have you have you had a chance to see it? Uh, yes, I did. I saw it on Sunday, and by uh, sheer coincidence, last week I was actually discussing minimalism uh, with my students at the university down here. It's uh, fascinating music. I'm, I've, I've come to it much later than I think uh, Ty and Rich uh, have. In fact, I've only really uh, been exposed to this in the last sort of five or ten years. But there's there's so much to learn from this, and something that was mentioned in the program, which 
uh, I, I was thought was fascinating was how uh, I think Lamonte Young was writing music that required you to listen over a, an extended period of time. So a piece could last an hour or, or it could be three hours or it could be much, much uh, longer. And, and, and in that period, there wasn't necessarily a great deal going on uh at least by traditional standards but your ears and your expectations would acclimatize to music evolving over that longer period and you would be hearing things in a way that you you wouldn't get from regular uh well you wouldn't get it from pop music at all but you probably wouldn't get it from much classical music either and and that was fascinating but one thing um i just wanted to mention which is is not strictly minimalism as sort of defined as a historical um period or these particular composers but it's the idea of being minimal if you know what i mean having yeah. uh, less going on in in an arrangement that's how the discussion actually came up uh with me and my students uh last week and i think there's a tendency for many uh, electronic uh, music composers especially those who, who work almost entirely in a daw to get so much activity going on in their arrangement that the impact of any individual sound is kind of lost there's you know multiple bass lines multiple pad sounds there's layers there's percussion bits coming in and out all over the place i if that sounds like something that's happening in you know your own arrangements i would strongly recommend that um if you can if you watch this program and just strip your arrangements back to the essentially the minimum that's required in order to get the musical effect that you want and then i i found in my own work it just the music takes off in a way that it, it doesn't when there's more going on it's the whole less is more cliche um but it is like all cliches it is actually based on truth yeah, no, that's true. I don't know, Ty. I mean, because you you have to you're composing for media media on a on a daily basis, and, and and in terms of you know the pressure and time pressure, some, I mean, we're all guilty of it, aren't we? We just go, I know, if I just stick another thing in there, it'll feel like there's a lot going on. I mean, do you do you find you've got the discipline um, to kind of apply those rules even in the heat of battle, as it were? Do you mean to to pair things back? Yeah yeah because i have no time so basically if i can if i can get away with doing less i'll absolutely get away with doing less the reality is though a lot of the times when you want the big moments that that basically means scale and the moment you introduce scale that essentially means layers and the moment you have layers that means time so it's almost like i when i work in a program i go through and i sit there and spot spot programs to to kind of almost look at the areas where minimal is the way to go and they're the areas i kind of dream of and leave the last and i start with the big areas because they're the ones that was going to take the time so quite often you can work on a section you know a piece of music that's like three minutes long which you know that you can less is more and you can work with maybe just a piano or just a few synth lines and, and some strings and it's fine but then you also know that then later on in the film there's going to be a 20 second bit where it's absolutely full-on organs blazing orchestral and then you look at the you know kind of the track listing and you're suddenly into hundreds of layers just that one moment and quite often just to do those 20 seconds takes 10 times longer than doing the three piece of just the more minimal stuff so um i i want to do the more minimal stuff all my i'll be honest with you all of my best scores i think are the more minimal scores and all the stuff that I kind of do because I that's what directors and producers want tends to be the big organs blazing stuff and unfortunately for me I kind of have a bit of a name for doing the organs blazing stuff so that's what a lot of people want but that's um, really interesting because I'm that, no, that is interesting because a lot of people, um, myself included, you know, particularly, you know, if we're talking in the the, the compositional environment that we're in, you would tend to kind of loop over a specific section and pile up, just pile ideas in it and just get them all out of your head and then see what happens when you take them apart. So you almost start with too much and then you have to, but stripping it down again, but it's still finding all of that stuff out that's difficult. I don't know. I, 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 yeah, sorry people have different ways there's a songwriter i know who you know kind of we briefly worked together a few years ago and he works that way he works very much in terms of imagine if he's an artist he throws all of the paint at the wall 
all the colours, everything, and then sits there with a with a, a, a knife and scrapes it all away until he's left with what comes out. Whereas I start off with a blank sheet and I basically go layer on layer and build and build and build, but know when to turn and go, okay, that's enough. Wow, so it's lucky, just lucky you. <laughs> yeah. um, just just a building on that. There's, a, I think, it's a, fa- a famous uh, saying by. Oh God, my my wife would know Chanel or something. It's something to do with you should when you're getting dressed for an evening, you should always take off the last piece of jewellery you put on, which I think is quite a nice little maxim also for writing and. It's production. a similar a similar kind of vibe, I suppose, in many ways. Yeah. Yeah, uh, there was just one other thing I, I wanted to throw in on this, which was a, I suppose a little aside, considering um, what we do here on. Uh, you know, sonic talk and sonic state very often we're listening to amazing musical instruments in isolation and we're talking about the depths of the oscillators and the tone of the filters and, and all this kind of thing i think it would be really great if when we come to make our arrangements we let these and i know a lot of us do but we let these instruments shine so they're not buried under lots of effects or multiple uh, lots of instrumentation that covers up the, the greatness of these instruments. If we if we spent the money and the time on on learning these machines, let's hear them in the arrangements. Hmm, that's an interesting. Okay, point, everybody. Actually. <laughs> thank you, thank you very much. I don't know, Rich. I mean, you're producing at the moment. I mean, are you are you finding that you're in your are you controlling the the, the depth and the the layers within the the arrangements of these songs or are you just letting the artists get on with it and making it work i mean how are you do you apply those any of those techniques to the work that you're currently doing absolutely every single minute of every single day i'm working on it um we're at a point right now where there's a lot recorded there's a certain amount that needs yet to be recorded and uh most of that is either vocals or me doing keyboards because i played keyboards on the basic tracks but i really haven't played any keyboards much a little bit since and i'm having to make decisions about whether or not to replace any or some percentage of what's there in any section that exists now or whether to supplement it in some way and I, first of all, support wholeheartedly all of the statements that Ty and Steve have made on this subject so far. And I would say that uh, none of us is going to ever advocate for loading anything up too much. So you're never trying to or even wanting to allow yourself to load something up too much. And it's easy to do now that we've got all of this incredible resource at our at our fingertips all the time. You can load it up as much as you want anytime. Um, and that said, we also all know that there are moments where being small is the thing and there are moments where being big is the thing. And there is also the fact that if you're going to be big all the time, it doesn't mean anything anymore. But if you contrast it with some small, you get the desired result. And we all, you know, you, you're always balancing the overall presentation and the size of the perform uh, ensemble at any given moment and what kinds of elements you're using and what kind of contrasts you're trying to highlight and, and used to make this thing sound unique. And so right now in my process with this artist, I'm all about making this project sound as unique as possible all the time and not to let it sound either stale or predictable very much. Although that within that context, it's a project of songs and songs do certain things and they tend to fall into one of a number of arrangements, although we're even straining on that because he's come in with some very interesting arrangement ideas and I think I like them and they're not traditional Western song arrangement ideas. And I think that that's part of what makes them cool. And so we're doing some of that too. Um, so I'm just trying to let it flow and be the right guy at the right moment. Right now I'm having to apply that to my own art in terms of adding keyboards and synths to it. So uh, I'm cognizant of that every day, all mm. the time. Interesting. I think, Sorry, can I can I just cut in? I just want after Steve's last statement, which was very uh, uh, spiritual to a degree. Look at that shot there of Steve looking like a kind of uh, like 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 some kind of prophet. Yeah, there we go. Look at that, the beautiful sunburst of Steve Hillier's uh, room there. Very nice. Yes, you may speak now, Ty. I think what Rich said absolutely about it all being relative. Because at the end of the day, you know, you can make, if you, what he's, you know, if you have organ, if you have it loud and big and huge all the time, 
I keep having to have this conversation with directors all the time. It becomes worthless because it means nothing. Everything is relative. The only things that make big sound big is when you have small, that you have to have both. And the other thing is kind of amalgamating what, you know, kind of everyone else has said really is every note essentially has to earn its place. It's as simple as that. If you apply that rule, then you're okay because every note has to be there. And if you take away that one note or that one sound or that one, it's lacking something, it's losing something. And I think a, a schoolboy error would be that you fill it so much that you suddenly realize you could lose whole lines and you wouldn't even notice the difference. Um, you have to get to the stage where every note is there for a reason and every silence is there for a reason. Well, that is a, a, that's a great concept, but I mean, a man with so little time, how do you get to evaluate all of that? I mean, that's the thing. I mean, you know, I often, you know, my, my live setup is I try to keep it minimal, you know, to two or three synthesizers or whatever. And these fun Friday things, I'm trying to kind of go, there's two synths. I, I saw that Gaz did a uh, a Neutron thing. He did it at like ridiculous o'clock in the morning a couple of nights ago. And he had the uh, Roland EF303, which he's been talking about. And there were just stuff where it's got the sliders for the for the scale. He was just running a, a, an alternating three or four loop pattern and then just changing the scale setting. So the melody was completely evolving the whole time, but it was just essentially one note. But it sounded really interesting. And I was thinking, oh, I've got to get me some of that. I might have to check into that. But So technology can help to a degree sometimes, I suppose. That's the thing, isn't it? It's figuring out what it is that it can do to help us do that. But going back to the... Uh, the, the um, uh, the uh, the thing that we were talking about, which is the uh, tones and drones and arpeggios. Uh, do check it out. The Magic of Minimalism, if you can see it. I don't know if you can see it in any country near you. There are ways and means, and uh, you're welcome to do that. But I, I would honestly thoroughly recommend it. It's a, quite an eye-opening and interesting. And I, can't, I again, can't wait to, uh, to get some of that stuff uh, as well. How about this, then? It's been 34 years. Rock and roll! Since this, this is, this is Spinal Tap Best Bits, one of the iconic spoof movies, which almost became a real thing. And yeah, 34 years ago today. This is Stain, listen to it. I'm not hearing anything. You would, though, if it were playing. There are there are many 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 of these things, and I think we've talked about spoof movies before, and there have been some great ones. Uh, but Spinal Tap was kind of the the first and the original, I guess. And I don't know, Rich. Uh, I'm going to come to you first because I'm hoping you're going to say, "Yeah, I've seen it," or is it going to be your, another Blade Runner moment for you? <laughs> I've seen more parts of this than I've seen of Blade Runner, but I haven't actually <laughs> sat down and seen the whole thing oh, now. Now, to say that, I set out last night. I searched high and low for a way to watch this thing last night so I could actually sit here and not be the guy who hasn't seen it. <laughs> and I just wasn't willing to spend what Apple was charging to watch this movie after all these years. Um, but I will watch it at the point yeah. where it's on in the tour bus. I've seen like substantial parts of it. I've just never sat down and seen it from beginning to end. And it's I know some of the routines and we talk it through all the time. And it's so much of it is so hilarious and true to life. It's incredible. And I live this so much of my life. I've seen so much of this and some of it is barely even funny to me because if you think that's funny, let me tell you a story, you know, kind of thing. And uh, there's so many of those that come up for me in the movie is, is like they, they think they're exaggerating and they're only halfway to the truth. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the true. It, it it is based on somebody obviously has great experience of that, and that's and and it is. It's been the fodder of tour buses for years and years and years. I mean, thirty four years. That and another couple of movies, I'm sure. Um, Steve, is this is or should I say, um, my lord, whatever? I don't know. I feel I should address you some other way because you look so kind of prophetic there. I, do you know, I, I've been I've been trying to work out. Is there anything I can do about this? I don't and, think you uh, should. No, okay. Let's let it roll. I think you should let it roll. <laughs> it's just a happy accident. Yes. Yeah, it's exactly. Um, yeah, but Spinal Tap, definitely, we had it on uh, the uh, the Dubstar tour bus back in the day. And 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 uh, Rich is absolutely right. I mean, first of all, it is a pretty accurate reflection of stuff that goes on, but there's so much more. And, and if you were to include those stories from real life in a movie, no one... Uh, would believe you, quite frankly. Um, I did find personally, though, that after I'd seen it about five times, 
I was really yearning to sort of take over the uh, VHS player. Uh, and eventually I did. And we ended up watching uh, Peter Greenaway uh, instead, which wasn't quite as big a hit, but it certainly kept me amused. It made me laugh a bit more as well. Yeah, well, there's the light. There's the light and the dark. You've got to have the. Yeah, you've got to have both. Well, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, Ty, does this, does this figure in? Oops, sorry. Just getting another cue done. I'm just doing some music for Steve. Ah, okay. Oh, what for Steve? Okay, hold on. Let's have it. Oh, <laughs> Hello, can't quite, it's not quite coming through. I know. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Never mind, never mind. Can I just say, it was very funny here, but there was only me here to enjoy it. Um, <laughs> That's the best uh, comedy moments, I find. Exactly. <laughs> just like Spinal, My Spinal Tap is, is amazing. And um, exactly for the reasons that everyone said, I, I, you know, it's so close to the truth. Um, and obviously I've experienced, we've all experienced these stories, and we all know people who were there and again it's you know kind of as rich said if you think this is funny the truth is even funnier um and actually one of the great things pleasures i had that when i was doing um, midge's album for the last couple of years is that obviously he knows everyone he's worked with everyone and when we were working together he would just sit here in the corner and just relive stories that's all he did about everyone and everyone i can't repeat any of them because i'd be sued um but uh, very, exactly. very, very famous people, very, very, very exactly. funny stories. And exactly. Exactly yeah. like Snap and more. And, um, but I mean, if one thing that I should point anyone in the direction of, I haven't uh, gone there, and there is a link here, is uh, Rick Wakeman's books. Um, yes. Uh, something of a, <laughs> uh, what's the title of it? Something of a rock star. Um, Let's have oh, a look. I don't remember. Uh, Rick Wayne, grumpy old rock star. Uh, yeah. Rick Wayne, Cape no, Crusade. No, yeah. No, it's, it's something like Tales of a Grumpy Old Rock Star. Two books. Oh, yeah. There they are. Um, yeah. And when I oh, say. Is a second one? Yeah, there are. There are two. And, oh, cool. <laughs> yeah. I'll read the other one too. Them, and I, I absolutely swear to everybody, forget everything else that's said this week. Um, go and buy these books. Oh, because yeah. Because they are absolutely <laughs> hysterical. It's basically like Spinal Tap, but it's all completely true. Rick Wakeman is a great raconteur, tells them incredibly well. Um, but also the fact that, you know, the one in Spinal Tap with the pod, uh, with the bass player that gets stuck? Um, Derek Rick Smalls. Wakeman, say again, sorry? Is, it, is he called Derek Small or Derek Smalls or something like yeah. that? Yeah. Yes, and he gets stuck in the pod and gets out just as the last chord is being played. That is essentially based on a real true life story that happened with Rick Wakeman with the drummer. So, um, and it's worth it's worth the price of the book just for that story and um, incredibly funny books, definitely worth getting. But Spinal Tap, yeah, it's been part of my life for the last however many years. And um, yeah, again, you never get sick of watching it. So... They're legendary, yeah. yes. Uh, that, that that sort of stuff is, le I guess, that sort of legendary. I mean, I think that there should probably be more of these uh, uh, tales from the road or tales, because there must be, you know, I mean, they're, they're, it's an endless source of hilarity and whatever. But yeah, it's a great film, and it sort of, I would say, encompasses the life, as it were, you know, for many people, because being on the road is is a very weird place to be, or in the studio is a very can be a very weird and funny place to be, because strange things happen <laughs> from time to time. <laughs> So I'm told. I'm trying to think. I, I can't, I, I'm trying to think of a really funny story now, but I, I just I just haven't got them. I've got I haven't got anything. I'm I'm completely gone. But maybe that will come up another time. Sorry, Steve. Yeah. So just whilst we're um, recommending stuff, just building on what Ty said, um, there's another uh, film. Uh, which is similar to uh, Spinal Tap, which I'd recommend if people haven't seen it. It's called Almost Famous. I don't know if that rings any bells, but it, it came out in 2000. And uh, my entry point on this film, like for watching it, was it has Mark Kozalek, 
who is uh, he was in a band called Red House Painters uh, and now Sun Kill Moon. Uh, he plays the bass player in this band. But anyway, it's basically a band on tour uh, in the 70s, but told from the mm-hmm. perspective of uh, a journalist, a very young journalist, and his first experiences of being out with this band. And it's it's a bit more of a drama than a comedy, but I really would recommend if somebody's got a you know like a boring uh, Sunday afternoon to, uh, to, with a couple of hours to kill, this is certainly something to watch. It's great fun. Excellent. That sounds good. And and also, final thing, Anvil. If 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 no one's seen the DVD called Anvil, yeah. the story. Oh, that's Anvil. great. That is great. And oh, that's real though. Isn't that real that's though? It. Yeah. It's basically Spinal Tap, but it is the real Spinal Tap. It's just full of comedy moments that anyone that's ever been on the road or been on tour or been in a band, it's all of those moments wrapped up into a bit of a comeback. Uh uh, for this kind of rock band, they go. It's quite poignant years. and sad, isn't it? In a way, it's as um, well because it's the, the trying the, the the so close for so many years, and and then you know, yeah, oh yeah, but it's great. It's a lovely. It's a, it is a lovely story. It, it, it's it's a bit of a weeper though because they're so they're so optimistic. You know, there's this optimism optimism even now after kind of years and years. It's lovely. I, I want to point out actually, yeah, Steve. Um, last week you mentioned Cigarettes After Sex as one of the bands, and uh, somebody left uh, uh, who plays keyboards in Cigarettes After Sex left a comment on the YouTube uh, on Sonic Talk for last week saying, "Oh my God, I, I'm in! I'm the keyboard player." I didn't think I'd, be, I'd expect him, 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 my band mention. So nice little touch. Um, I'm oh, wondering. Cool. I'm wondering if we've got time for a quick. Uh, does anyone want to cover the MIDI spec side of things? Because I mean, I know we've. It, it's a, it's maybe a bit dry. <laughs> But um, it's 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 all it is to do with music There's technology. A, going out with a bang, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I suppose it is. Um, the, there's just uh, we have to we have talked we have talked about this you guys before. Don't close with good times, you mean? Uh, well, I, we try. <laughs> this might be good times. I should just I just wanted to mention it. Maybe it won't lead to a massive co- uh, conversation about it. But uh, we talked about the new MIDI capability inquiries, and it apparently got voted in at NAM. I've been sort of trying to shoehorn it into the show uh, for a couple of weeks, but now the MIDI. CL, uh, which basically will allow uh, MIDI CL, which is kind of the MIDI, the latest version of MIDI or the, the new version of MIDI, allows machinery to uh, announce itself to other items and say what parameters it has, which means that there'll be a much easier way of mapping parameters. Uh, and that's going to be happening there pretty soon and property exchange so and protocol navigation. So it can basically say, I'm this synth, I have got these these controls, this is where they're mapped. Do you know? Do your best. And I don't know if that's going to be useful, but I mean, it, I think it will make a really big difference to the future because it means that MIDI controllers that speak this language will also be able to uh, deal with it without having to kind of get into wrappers and all of that sort of things, which we've seen lots and lots of people trying to solve this problem. So I think it'll actually be quite a big deal. I don't know whether, Ty, that might help you in your world. I don't know whether that, but, you know, because... We all end up use, you know, go. I'll use native instruments, or I'll, I'll use this, or whatever. I mean, That's an interesting it's been, sound. I mean, it's been, it's you know, that kind of stuff is an is a nightmare for me, really. And you know, a lot of the time, a lot of the reason why it's easier so often to just keep things in the box is we've had this conversation before. Is all about instant recall, and the moment, even with just normal MIDI program changes, or you know, kind of assigning stuff it all becomes a pain the moment you start in, involving all of the hardware that i've got around here if, if there was some kind of protocol that literally did mean every time you loaded up a project everything is instantly recognized and knows exactly what it's doing and what it's got and how it associates with everything else that makes my life a million times easier so that would be that would be that would be really great and useful yeah Other than i think that, so I, I can't say any more than i hope it happens and i hope it you know be great be wonderful yeah i don't know steve whether that's something that you know again it this sort of dream yeah, of unified I, control i i really would enjoy that and i fully uh agree with what ty just said it, it it's uh when you've got so much hardware around I, I do actually have hardware in this room i promise you it's just all on the other side of this camera um <laughs> it's uh <laughs> yeah, it, it, to have the machines talking to each other and having the um, protocol enable you to uh, identify automatically controller numbers and, and that will be really good. The other big thing that I hope this addresses, and I think it surely must do, is um, I'd like larger word lengths, meaning more than just 128 steps per controller. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because when you're, if you're stepping through on a, 
it's rather obvious sort of filter um you get the zipper noise where you're stepping through uh quantized values that are just rather too large so let's just you know double it let's make it what a 16-bit word length and I suspect that would probably go. And, yeah. and in fact, if, if that was the only thing that was achieved with this, then I would be uh, satisfied, quite frankly. Yeah, I think that's part of the protocol because it says, I have this control and it can be this resolution. So give me the stuff and, and we'll be able to deal with it. I don't know, Rich, I, I don't know uh, whether that's something. I mean, you, I can see you've got a MIDI controller there. That's like an Akai. You've got your, ah, oh, you've got the little mini. I've got, I got one of those too. Ta-da! They'll snap together. We could get them to snap together. How are you playing it? What are you playing? Is that that bar mitzvah gig later? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, things like that, setting up MPE, all of this thing hopefully will mean... Over that, Bluetooth that without any kind of hassle to connect it and everything i want to play everything with this or some version of this you know what i mean and i want it to be easy i don't want to have to set up 12 uh, 16 tracks of freaking midi pardon me 16 i think that was freaking <laughs> of glorious midi to uh record mary had a little lamb no that's not what i want to do for the rest of my days yeah so this i mean this could this this new protocol could actually be quite a big step towards that i mean that's what we're hoping i mean mpe the mpe side of things is still very uh seems to be something that they have trouble agreeing on because i think i think because it's being a standard's being pushed by roly and there are other standards you know and it's just just get on with it guys surely i did speak to uh, somebody who was at the developer meeting where they had to vote on that he said he had this was on sunday at nam and he said he got there at seven o'clock in the morning where they started like a, a breakfast type thing and after four hours he just left he just said i can't handle any more of this <laughs> because it's it, and it's not it's not because they're bad it's just because there's all of these factors to be kind of considered and everybody has to agree you know it, it must be a bit like negotiating brexit or something well, as it relates to, for example, a 16-bit word, I suspect that they're balancing how much benefit they're going to get from that with backward compatibility. There's no denying it would be better. So it's got to be a, a calculation that involves maintaining backwards compatibility. And Yeah, and I think it says – exactly. No, that, that, uh, anything that is – the higher specification, if the if if it doesn't get the yes, I'm one of these, it just go it defaults to MIDI put 1.0. That's it, you know, for that device. So it's not. I think that is absolutely the case. So well, I, if they can do that conditionally and make it so, the way Steve describes it, that would be a wonderful thing. Yes. Well, there we go. Look, we are entering. We are ending on sort of a high because we're all kind of like quite up on the, into the idea, and maybe it will come. I mean, I, I guess that there'll have to be instruments that are designed with this in the firmware or however it's done. So I guess that's going to be the case. Right. Well, on that uh, musical and upbeat note, we'll leave Rich with uh, with his um, his lovely solo voice. Is that a, a roly voice or are you playing that on another instrument? Is that a contact voice? No, this is playing out of noise on my iPad mini, wirelessly over Bluetooth. I didn't have to put 16 channels into record to get it. And uh, I want the whole world to work like that, please. Like, yeah. As soon as possible. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as possible. If that's okay. I think that's yeah. I, I, that's another, I think that's another uh, title possibility as well. I want the whole world to work like that as soon as possible. Uh, let me just type that please. down. <laughs> So it's quite long. Might not work for the SEO like that uh, ASAP. That'll do. That's how I can keep it short. Anyway, folks, thank you so much for joining us. It's been great to have you. It's uh, all these uh, familiar faces that we haven't seen for a long time. Rich, I'm very pleased to have you, but I guess you're going back into the Our project, pleasure. so maybe we won't see you for a little while yet. How long, much longer it's got to run? I Well, um, I'll be home next week, and there's a chance for next week. And okay, cool. after that, I'm leaving with Sheik for Australia and New Zealand uh, and Coachella, California, and other points in California. And uh, I'll be gone from uh, late March until most of May. Wow, okay. May. Okay, well, have a lovely trip. If we see you next week, that would be a bonus. I may be around next week. Excellent. Well, I'm pleased to hear it. Also, uh, Steve, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, I hope your vocal shows up and it doesn't uh, ruin your evening. If they still haven't showed up. I, I don't know what I'm going to do with myself. I'll, I'll work something out, I reckon. Maybe <laughs> what you should do is get them to send you the lyrics 
and then you could just do a, yeah. a scratch version for them. And they might go, you know what? <laughs> that that could be your big break. They could just oh, go. I've been, I've been waiting so long. For the, for the for, as the vocalist as a vocalist I mean you know anyway Steve thank you very much for joining us it's been a, a, an absolute pleasure uh, thank you very much indeed we'll see you again soon and also Mr Ty Unwin also great to have you aboard uh, and I'm glad that you've managed to clear a little bit of daylight or certainly artificial light in between the work so you've been able to join us this week it's been a pleasure it's been great as ever good to be back I don't know how don't know where I'm going to be or what I'm going to be doing but um as ever, we'll all do our best to be here as soon as possible. Thank you very Always much. Good. Well, that's it for this week. Don't forget, uh, if you want to enter the competition, I'll just uh, plug that one more time uh, to win Isotope Ozone 8. Uh, we're looking for the hashtag Mastering Suite. That's one word and the hashtag Ozone 8, or is the number 8, to at Sonic State and at Isotope Inc. Uh, do that and you will be entered to the prize draw for next week where, to win a copy of Isotope's Ozone 8, the Mastering Suite. That's the hashtag Mastering Suite, the hashtag Ozone 8, at Sonic State and at Isotope Inc. That's it for this week. Thank you very much for watching. We'll see you all next time. And uh, I we will we can we can maybe Rich, yeah, if you're if you're still playing, you can uh, you can play us out with a bit of a uh, bit more. Was that Stefan Grappelli? I'm trying to think if that was Stefan Grappelli. I think it was, wasn't it? Oh, he's gone. Never mind. We will see you all next time. Thank you very much, Take folks. Take a swig. Take a swig. <laughs> oh. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Yay! Thank you, folks. See you next time. <laughs>